Chicago. Well, I'm going to Chicago. year and is beautiful kind of coming to a, a close which also means the golf season kind of feeling all these little different feels and I don't know how you feel Mike being a teacher as well heading back to, to work here but uh, it's been a great trip we're not quite done yet uh, we'll have lots to, to talk about and, and to discuss um, that we'll talk about the tremendous golf that was being played yesterday as well at the BMW but uh, yeah it's just one of those those feelings that you get that uh, that things come to an end. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I gotta go back to working. That's just golfing is so much better. Even bad golf has has been displayed on this trip by this <laughs> by this podcast. But uh, yeah, we got that. We got uh, probably our last uh, PGA Tour stop for the season, I suppose. Was the BMW? I don't think we're making our way down to East Lake next week. No, no, <laughs> we, we could apply. We could apply. Well, but, if, uh, if Ludacris invites us, we might have to go down there. Yeah. It's kind of the end of the run for the season, I think. Yeah, I think the Break 80 podcast may have run out of funding to make its way to Napa as well. Uh, that's a that's a pricey one. So Fortnet. No. Uh, if, if Tim can't make it, nobody can. <laughs> and believe me, I'd love to go down there for the up there for down there, down there for the amenities and uh, and the wine. That's. Well, we, you know, we came to Chicago with a purpose in mind. We wanted to experience the BMW. We wanted to. You know, like they say, get boots on the ground. We wanted to see the golf course. We wanted to see, I mean, ultimately, 50 of the best golfers in the entire world um, play golf. And that, that was one thing that was kind of nice. There's only 50 of them. So we'll, we'll get to that. We'll talk a lot about the BMW and what we, observations we made on, on the golf course and the players and things like that. But we also want to highlight our little trip. We took a little side trip to play a little bit of golf. And I think for those that come to the Chicago area, uh, I think we did our research enough to kind of know some things that uh, some things that you can do, places that you can play. Uh, we experienced four courses. We'll play a fifth today that is more of the private means, but four um, public golf that you know is accessible to anybody. And so I think what we'll start with is just so, sort of our our golf journey that we did uh, this week and highlight the golf courses that we played. Um, talk about um, recommendations. Uh, whether it be, you know, what tees to play, you know, what how to attack some of these these golf courses and things like that. So let's start with that. You know, we Tim is our, our top 100 savant. He is Mr. You know, travel to play some of the best golf courses that he can find. And he had this. Um, well, I'll let you talk about it. You had this this Harbor Shores kind of on your on your mind to see if we can get there. Yeah, let's call it a vision quest, right? To to finally get a chance to knock a couple off of the list and. I think other than northern Michigan, we're almost done. So for those of you in the Midwest that listen to this podcast, Chicago golf can be difficult. Uh, Chicago has a number of excellent, excellent courses. Unfortunately, most every single one are private, and those public courses that you can find within the city oftentimes require very large commute travel distances, times, etc., because of traffic. Uh, and trying to, to get around what is a very large metro. 
So the podcast immediately left as soon as we entered Chicago for Michigan. And I honestly, I didn't realize how close Benton Harbor is to Chicago. It's probably all of an hour and a half to get there. But Harbor Shores is a Jack Nicholas design course that sits alongside of a bog um, right against Lake Michigan in Benton Harbor or St. James, Michigan and was the host of multiple, multiple U.S. senior PGAs. I think I'm getting that right, or just senior PGAs. They've had at least one, but they're having another one. But they have a normal tour stop, I believe, on the senior tour the last few years. They've had multiple guys have won there, so I think it's a tour stop. A typical Jack Nicholas design, uh, very difficult off the tee box. The 20-mile-per-hour wind certainly didn't help, and, well, I think... I'll give it over to, to you two to talk a little bit about, about the round, if, if you want to go there. Well, yeah. So, do we want to go there? <laughs> I, I, I'll just say that, you know, the three of us aren't really noticed. You're known for being, you know, super accurate off the tee box from, you know, a consistent standpoint. You know, we have our moments, but it, may, it made for a, a very tough 18-hole grind. And I think what the reason why is because there's not really – a bailout, right? You've got typically water on one side and you've got fescue that you may not find your ball on the other side. So there's really only one option and that's try to pipe one down the middle and if you try to play super conservative then you're coming in with, you know, I think Mike hit a couple irons off the tee and then had another couple long irons into the, into the you know, into the wind to get to the court to, or to get to the, the green. So it's one of those things where I don't know, you think you probably have to have a pretty aggressive mindset just uh, you know, hoping that you're accurate. I would say make sure that you play the right tees. We play the we play the backs, and I don't know what was, was only, the distance. It was only 68.50 or so. It's just under 6,900 yards. So, yeah, it's not super far from back there. Remember the, the difficulties. I mean, we had a lot. Every par four was about 200 yards, it seemed like. It was just dog-legged. Every, every 400-yard par four that you get up on the tee and you think, here we go, we're getting there with a... A wedge in hand, a, a short approach iron, turned out to be this dog leg where you had to aggressively cut the corner with danger. Uh, playing it safe always led to a long iron in, and I think we we got kind of sidetracked on our scores and, and getting stuck with these long irons. I would say we, we played a long 6800 because it just rained, so we played lift cleaning places wet. You weren't getting any roll in the fairway, they were basically sticking, and it was windy and a lot of swirling winds. So. I don't remember playing a lot of holes downwind where you, it was like all over the place. So it played hard, really hard. And on top of that, you know, we let's just say the pins were tough, right? And, and when you play a new a new course, you tend to take tentative swings. Like you just can't. You have a hard time, harder time committing because you don't quite know what the ball is going to do when it gets on the green. You don't quite know, you know, how bad a, a fairway bunker could be or how bad. You know, missing right or left of a hole could be because you don't have any experience to go off of. So, there were some crazy situations where I remember a par five once I I hit it on the green, and I think this was hole ten, and it rolled. I mean, I don't know how far off the green it was a mile, and then I had this almost improbable up and down, you know, because the pin was just right on the hump, so I, I had to get it past the hump, and if I don't, it's going to be right back in my feet. So there's a lot of shots like that. Um, you know, two putting is difficult there if you're not in the right spots um but i will say the condition hole seven we should probably mention that one hole seven was so good but the pin again the pin was crazy so if, if, if you, the pin to pin aside hole seven was legit 
So from the tea, you're sitting in a bog, surrounded by water. It's actually an islanded uh, uh, tea box, right? We're we're on that wood structure floating in the middle of the bog, and it's a dog leg right back to a slight left dog leg up a steep embankment uh, with waste area around the first dog leg and two massive bunkers surrounding the opening to what's probably a, a 50 yard or a 50 foot um, uh, hill in the front of the green and then a bunker in back and as you as you crest this hill you're greeted with this giant beach park right off of the back of the green and the waves of Lake Michigan uh, colliding onto the sand. So it's it's this really beautiful reveal uh, for an absolutely what was brutal hole. <laughs> I, I don't think any of us I had I think this hole took us 40 minutes to play. Oh my it was, goodness. Uh, hard. I, I think the whole course looked nice. Yeah. It's very pleasing to the eye. It's just really difficult. And that that's the thing. So if you go, I, I would go play it. Just know you're going to be you know, squeezed in some pretty tight areas a lot of times and have some tough greens. The other one that comes to mind too is hole 11. If you remember that par three, we finally get to hole 11. It's the first short par three. I think we've been hitting six irons, four irons and five irons. And oh, yeah. the green is is pretty gigantic with almost what can be described as a half pipe down the middle. And the pin is sitting two, maybe a pace and a half off the right side, surrounded by water on the right front and the right back and it just looks like it's out on this peninsula with nowhere to go i think all of us hit the green i of course three putted and i i, I think both of you mike did you you end up three putting too because you had quite the the crazy one down the hill correct shocker <laughs> <laughs> I, it, what's kind of interesting is the perspective of these you know seniors that come play these courses right i'm guessing they had very sim similar pin placements than we did and Stephen Elker's playing three rounds and shooting 16 under. Yeah, he shot 65 in the final You know, round. it's like the perspective of how good. And then, you know, we'll get to Century World here, too. And, like, we play that golf course. And, you know, I guess I guess that golf course did play very difficult. We can talk about that, the scores in the Century World one. But but just amazing that how good. And, 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 and that's what we saw at the, at the BMW, too. These guys are so good. Um, there's such a level out there that just people... Do cannot comprehend. I cannot comprehend how how people can hit a golf ball that consistent um, in score and, and make all those pots and things like that. So that's one thing on this golf trip I've had more of a pre appreciation for is playing really tough golf courses and then walking away and seeing what some of these other guys shoot. It's incredible. So, anyways, let's move on. That's uh, so that was Michigan. Or I guess anything else that you want to mention from there? Great staff. Uh, Yep. Great staff. I don't remember what's what was the Jackson. Jackson. Great, great dude. Um, yeah, if you're in the Michigan area, go check it out. Beautiful, some some good views there. And so um, then we made our way uh, to a golf course that is very much different from from that one. And and uh, this one I really enjoyed as well. It's called Ravis Low. And you guys are more of the Chicago. This is more of the Chicago scene style. So I don't know if you guys want to comment on that i know you did a lot of research in, in chicago golf you've already been down here and played um some chicago golf so i'll sort of hand the mic to you guys if you want to you know discuss kind of the scene of what chicago golf is like uh is this has been my really first time ever playing golf in the chicago area yeah ravis low is in homewood and actually very close to olympia fields where we were like 10 minutes away um 
So you're talking south of the city, probably half an hour or something, depending on traffic. Um, it's an old Donald Ross. Used to be private. It's right on the railroad line, like most of the Chicago private clubs are, because they, you know, back in the day they were all out of town and people were going out to the club. Um, very much classic Donald Ross. I thought the back nine was amazing. Um, the you know it's it's one of those things where you get once something becomes public and there's not as much money the the, the um, you know the conditioning maybe isn't what isn't what you get at a private private club but I thought it was very good greens were good fairs were good um, yeah it's uh, I'm trying to look up see if they've hosted any events way back in the day they probably did um, but. Uh, yeah, great golf course. What do you think, Tim, on that one? Yeah, so Ravisloaf, I remember correctly, had the Western Open, traditionally held in Chicago, uh, along with some of its other neighbors, Calumet Country Club that Mike and I have played down there before. Yeah. Um, really, really close to closing down, which is a very sad story because they've hosted a, a PGA and a Western Open. Uh, but really, the, the south side of Chicago years ago was where the money was, and as the trends of the city changed, as people moved west, as people moved north, a lot of the money started to exit these areas. So these clubs are, are really trying to find a niche or a way to bring the population from kind of the city center, uh, guys in their 30s, 40s that are living downtown out to the club. Um, and there's been a, a, lot of, a lot of changes with ownership, a lot of changes with with marketing, um, with who they're trying to get down there. And I think a lot are heading in the right way, but we certainly don't want to lose some of these architectural gems that are, are still available to the public uh, or some of the, the country clubs down there, um, Olympia included, that have been such a staple of, of big tournament golf for so long. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's really hard to find, and maybe not in all parts of the country. I'm sure, like in North Carolina, it has some more where Donald Ross lived, whatever. And it's a kind of a, it's kind of a Ross Follis. Follis, I think, started as a nine holder. Follis in length was it Moreau or Langford? I don't know. And then Willie, you know, Watson and, and Ross came in and kind of did it all as an 18. But it's really hard to find that kind of architecture in public golf courses. You know, it's almost always private. So uh, if if you're ever in Chicago and you want a classic, classic style golf course. You know, that, like I said, I would say probably in America are over 80% of them are private. Um, for sure go to Ravislow. Um, to me it was also like, you know, there's golf courses you want to play once and there's golf courses you could play every day. To me, I, I could play Ravislow all the time if I lived down there, you know, just be a member because it, it's, it's uh, challenging yet fair. You weren't losing golf balls all over the place. I uh, had some great you know, bunkering, green complexes. Um, yeah, phenomenal. The clubhouse was like this like Spanish mission style uh, clubhouse that was huge. Um, it's, just, a, it's a weird dichotomy in that clubhouse too because you've got what was obviously a grand uh, country club back in the day. And then you, you look around and it's now, it's now a publicly owned funded course with, with just you know, everyday folks coming in and out, and you kind of see some of the finishing not being quite as good as what it what it likely was with some of the dining chairs and and you know the men's locker room has been turned into an area that now has golf simulators in it during the winter. Um, it would be lovely to see some of those old photos or at least try to bring a little bit of that restoration back if they can. And uh, do you think it's had a, a better musician walk in there 
recently than myself. You tickling those ivories, as Mike said. <laughs> yeah, you tickling the ivories. I mean, it's got a golf history. Harry Varden played there. You know, I mean, Harry Varden's one of the greatest players in the history of the game. He's won more Open Championships than anybody. Um, so they had some events back in the day there. And, and yeah, just if you go in there without even seeing the golf course, just looking at the building, you know it was big time back in the day. You know, it was a, it was, it's a, you know, you don't just build a clubhouse like that for some just random little golf course. So, I, uh, I really enjoyed Ravislow. Give that was a, great. Do you have a favorite hole out there? Because I'm thinking of that par five right now, and I forget the number, but it had all of the the bunkering. It had. Yeah, four, that's on the back. That was the back side. I believe side. it was twelve because I was doubled eleven before that. I think so. Yeah, four different sets of bunkers down the fairway, left, yeah. right, left, right, up at the green side, and thirteen, I think it was. Yeah, it just looked like they cascaded down yes. onto themselves. Granted, I got stuck on on the side hill on one of those, and a little bit of the the thicker rough fescue. Yeah. Um, but it was. I, I thought that that was such a striking golf hole and something yeah. that you don't see on on new courses. That was the one I called out Wyndham Clark that I could get it closer <laughs> than him. Yeah. And I will say, hey, the vodka lemonades at Ravislow are delicious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I would recommend getting a couple of those if, it's if you... A, yeah. Only a couple, though. <laughs> I think uh, I would... One thing I didn't uh, get any info on, we probably should have asked, is I would like to know if they... Because it started as an Einhole course. Before, before Ross came in, it was um, Follis and I think... Um, I think it was Moreau, Moreau actually, yeah. and not Langford. Uh, and then Ross came in for the second nine to make it eighteen. I wonder if the if the Ross nine is the back. Seems like it would be. Look, seemed like a Don Ross kind of design of the back, and because the, the front was a little flatter, um, a little more basic, and then the back had a lot more dramatic greens. They're not like lifted crazy high, but they're at least up with some bunkering and stuff. So, uh, but yeah, I love I love Ravislow. Awesome, I, I also awesome want to say that when I think back, I play you know. When you play the back tees, it feels often that you're getting the same clubs in your hands for par threes often. I can remember, you know, hitting a seven iron. I can remember hitting a gap wedge. I can remember hitting a, a four or five iron. I can remember hitting a six iron. So I, the variety of clubs that I was using on par threes, that's one thing that I, you know, as I play some of these venues with, with the back tees, it just feels like it's very redundant. I'm just always hitting a five iron or four iron. You know, it's always... 190 to 210 yards out and it just feels like it doesn't have to be like that. I think the pros even have talked about it. And we've talked we've seen at major venues this year have have the short par 3. Yep. Where it's difficult, it's tight. Um, but you get a scoring club in your hand and it could be a it could be a, two, a deuce and it could be a 6. You know, I think I think courses need to do more of that. It doesn't need to be all about length and I think um, that's been an emphasis on, on from the from the tour players this year as well. So that was really cool. I had like a little 110 yard par three. Um, that was fun to play as well. So, well, that takes us to the next place, and that was this one's even further south. I think uh, Kankakee Elks Country Club. Uh, I think I said that right. I've asked how to say it about 15, 20 times on this trip. So Kankakee is hard to say. It is. It's once you actually see it on paper, it looks like you can actually pronounce it. But um, anyways, yeah, it was another another trip. A uh, little. Further south, so this was about an hour and a half, I think, south of of Chicago, somewhere in there. Mike, you you drove, so you probably know more about how far it was. But uh, any comments on this? And we you, we did an opportunity to even talk to a guy that's been a member there for Seven, many years, seventy years since nineteen fifty-three. Seventy years. So yeah. you guys want to comment on that? Well, I I got a brief sound clip from Jim, who's the uh, 
head pro out there. We sat down with him for maybe five to, to ten minutes just to learn a little bit more. But Kankakee started as Highland Country Club and was a Langford design. So it was the country club that initially brought him in. It was eventually purchased by the Elks. And uh, Jim is an Elk himself, the head pro. Jim has won award after award after award for highest new membership total uh, because anyone that joins Kankakee Elks Country Club becomes an Elk. Now, whether or not they, they need to actively participate in some of the meetings, um, I thought that was absolutely fantastic to bring life not only to a golf course that that absolutely deserves it, uh, but also to an organization that does a lot of good, but may may with current trends and and you know newer generations not joining a lot of those those organizations uh, found some life in in a new and interesting way. Yeah, I, I did. I had no idea that the Elks owned golf courses. Yeah. Like no idea. Very 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 few. So uh, it, they did own Southern Pines in uh, Southern Pines, North Carolina. Recently sold to the Mid Pines Resort. They still own land in the area. Uh, I think that Jim mentioned a Decatur Elks Club that owns a course, and then the Elks Club in Iowa City owns a little nine-holder that's particularly unique, but um, definitely something that's... For for reference, uh, you said it was a Langford design, correct? Yeah, Langford and Merle. They did the show. Okay, so then, yeah, I was going to say, you, most people you know, might have heard more of Lasoni Links, so if you played that... Kind of, you can kind of connect the dots and what some of those, those especially greens look like because that was, you know, what this course offered. Maybe not to the extent of you know the, the openness and the conditioning, but I mean you could you could see and if you if you watched our stories and things you could see the mounding, you know the mounding was everywhere. You can you can go down there and see nearly every hole. You can find mounds, um, you know whether it be by the greens or by the fairways. Yeah. Um the green complex is pretty wild. Um, lots of lots of mounding. You know that's that's the the purpose of that is to trick your eye to make make it seem you know like it's farther away or closer or whatever. And I think um, I had a blast playing the elk. The elk club that was really fun. I think there there is out there a humongous opportunity to make uh, can can key elks really crazy fun you take out a bunch of trees like it was originally um and you get it playing really fast you 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 get fairways running if you can you know obviously this takes a lot of money to do so you know probably isn't going to happen and you shave down things around the greens and that place could be wild but like wildly fun because the and then because there's a lot of cool mounding and, and some of the bunkering there and stuff and uh Visually, it'd be amazing to look at if it was really if you cleared out some stuff. So I thought it could be uh, there's an opportunity there to make it really great. And Jim mentioned this a little bit too. Two things that they'd like to take a financial focus on. Uh, I believe I want to say it's number seven or eight. There's an alternate green site that was used for a number of years. It was it was changed, uh, but it would be a 120 yard volcano hole. Uh, the green sits to directly to the right of the tee box now. Um, and they'd like to, to find a way to restore that. They'd also like uh, like some funding to put in a, a new irrigation system because they've got single-line irrigation. And for those of you in the Midwest, we've seen how rough this, uh, this summer has been if you're on a single-line irrigation system at your own home course with how dry and, uh, and burnt out some of the, the rough is. 
but for those for those listeners that are headed to Chicago that want to stay in Chicago that don't want to necessarily make the trip to Benton Harbor or to where we are in Century World and Stevens Point pairing those two together uh, either getting all the way down to Kankakee first and then coming back to Ravislow as you head back towards the city or in reverse whatever it might be you're spending less than a hundred dollars to play two courses uh, that honestly were, were some of the more fun ones that I've played all year. Um, not particularly long, uh, but it'll certainly be something that you tell your friends about when you talk about, oh my goodness, that, that really weird undulated green, or did you see the way that that was raised, or oh, I hadn't seen anything or thought of anything like that. I got stuck behind X, Y, and Z mound, and who would have thought that was there? So just a huge value. And, and I, I, I agree with Mike. Like I can just vision what you could really do with that course. The only hesitation I think would be is it's just not the clientele that no that they get. You know, it's just they got the outer people that, that enjoy paying $35 to play. For sure. You know, they're probably not getting the a ton of just uberly talented golfers, the ones that – and was, I, I could imagine it being a very easy walk as well. We did we did come up at the end of that men's tournament, though. There were some scores out oh there. Oh, my goodness. Was it, there was, a, I think, a 69 won it. 70 – no, it was 71 was the lowest. 71 was lowest? Yep. Okay. Could have been girl. It could have been net. Okay. I, I don't think it was net. I saw a lot of circles going up. I didn't see a lot of addition happening. So there's – there's some but but if you if you do some of those things, you know, where you, where you speed up the greens and then you shave down, you know, that's going to make the, diff, the the golf course more difficult, right? And and I think people enjoy going out and shooting good scores and, and, and paying a little bit more, you know, less of a price and being able to walk your course and things like that. So I, I don't know. Like it would be really really cool to play. Maybe if it was in a different. Um, Location, it's they could a, maybe try that, but yeah, it's a little off the beaten path for for them to be putting a bunch of money into it and jacking up the green fees and everything. So it probably won't happen, but it could be. It, could ha- be it has sweet. the potential to be incredible. I think what they really need to do is they pick up that golf course and they put it right on top of a really bad HOA-based housing community, <laughs> forty-five minutes north. We we don't need more inner city housing we need more golf courses <laughs> I, would, I would love to have that in the Bermuda Triangle bring that out to Buffalo Minnesota I play that often um, well before we go to, to Century World is there any other you guys have played some Chicago golf any other ones that you want to point out before we transition here to, to Wisconsin well Tim would you want to talk about Calumet a little bit yeah I, I again this is uh, Ravislow had a, a new owner come in put money into the course they've got a little bit more of an instagram and social media presence calumet country club has fallen on much harder times where it's been evaluated for years to return it back to a different zoning and allow for pretty much it to be used as warehousing space so a complete uh, demolish of the course to be used as something completely else which is a shame because it's it's an undisputed Donald Ross, um, an undisputed Donald Ross that's been played twice in the PGA and in Western Open. Yeah, it's hosted a major. Um, another one with just a huge clubhouse facility, uh, but again, one that, like the times, they, they changed and people went from living in southern Chicago to northern and western Chicago, and it was kind of left, left out of Chicago golf since probably the 80s. Um, I mean, the upkeep on those things have to be well tremendously were, difficult. There, there wasn't much upkeep. There wasn't much upkeep. Right but yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just you, shape, can't, yeah. you can't really upkeep the clubhouse yeah, you being that money. big. They don't have the money to keep it up. 
which so. which is unfortunate because you do get a glimpse of, of some of the same features at Ravislow. They're a little bit milder. Uh, it's a lot flatter piece of property, but it, you're looking at a, a round of golf with golf cart that is thirty five ninety nine uh, to go and play at at prime time, and they're the only place I've ever seen that does BYOB. Uh, so you can bring your own cooler Genius. in for $10 or $12 or whatever it might be. Um, how they don't have people just falling out of their cars uh, trying to leave that place is, is beyond me. And, and why someone is going to go, and no, no offense to uh, Harbor Side in Chicago, but Harbor Side is $190 to play now. Uh, you can go play all three of the named courses that we mentioned for less than one round at Harbor Side. And Harborside takes so long; it's a six-hour round because it's overly packed. Yeah. Um, you might even be able to finish all all three before you finish one round at Harborside. And Calumet has Gatorade in a can, which is baller. Uh, <laughs> which is going back to like when you were Michael a kid. Jordan would appreciate when that. you were a kid in the '90s when they were can Gatorade. But well, Harborside though, yeah, uh, we played that too. I actually was thought it was a good golf course. It was. It was fun. It was very good. It's built on like a garbage dump over by the water. Can still know. smell it. You can smell it. It is. Oh, that was it's a good. Play. It's you know. It's way over there. It's almost in Indiana. Um, you don't really. You do have views of downtown Chicago on a couple holes. Mainly, you're looking at like oil refineries and stuff. But um, golfers good. But yeah, Tim's right. The value that you get by going to Ravislow and some of these way better than paying hundred and whatever. You know. Any comments on any comments on Cog? That's well. That's awesome. that's the gem of Chicago public golf is Cog Hill. Um, yeah, I love, I've, I've played Cockhill twice. No, they have like they have four courses out there, five or something. Number four, Dubstrad, is the championship golf course. Um, yeah, a public course that feels like a real private. You know, it's got great bunkering and it's tree line and it looks. It's actually not that old. It was built in the '60s, uh, but it looks old. It's got that look and feel to it. Um, pretty challenging. They've they've tiger proofed it. Uh, because Tiger won the BMW there, I don't know, multiple times. Shot like 62. In the clubhouse, there's a huge mural of like him with just thousands of fans right behind him. Um, so Cog is the real jam, I guess, of public golf, per se, in, in Chicago. But really fun to play. Difficult. Good golf course. Well, that brings us to where we are now. Yep. We a little up, a little further north. Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Like I said, beautiful porch out here where we're staying, which you know makes Tim happy. He's a big amenities guy. Nice, clean, beautiful, gorgeous uh, accommodations, and the golf course. Uh, you know that if you've watched any of the senior um, tour, they have the, the major here. Uh, I'm not sure if it was July or I think it was July. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bernhard Longer was the winner, and you know that's the only really thing that I had in my head. I watched some of that. I remember some of the shots. I don't remember the, the, the particular holes, but I just remember that it was difficult. I mean, uh, we talked, we, we played with Aaron, by the way. Aaron is the assistant pro out here, and great guy, great dude. Uh, kind of shared a lot, um, you know, about the golf course, but he, he had said that, you know, there's people that, there's a, there's a pro out here that didn't break 90, you know, in this golf tournament. Uh, there was, the conditions were, were tough, and the, and the course is tough. I mean, if you do not hit a fairway on this golf course, um, you're going to be penalized. And it's the, the it's not the tall rough. It's not the six inch 
that you saw at, for example, this week at the BMW. It's the thick, it is the densest rough that I probably have played in all year, hands down. Well, they're slowly bringing it down, I think. It, it doesn't play like this all the time, the rough. Yeah. You know, I think, what did Aaron say? The USGA came in last year and basically said, start growing the rough up and getting it ready. The USGA always does that for all their events. They come in and... So they're still slowly kind of mowing it down. It was it was higher than this for the U.S. Senior Open. It was worse. I, I just I, I I'm just this pure density is yeah. is what gets you. It's not it, you know hot, hot, you play high rough other places, but the thickness around yeah. the greens is what was ridiculous. No, imagine that even worse for the U.S. Senior. I know, Open. and that's why you'd rather eight, be in bunkers. Eight guys shot under par overall for yeah. the tournament. Uh, Bernhard shot seven under to win. Stricker shot five. Stephen Alkershot, Stephen Alkershot shot a 65 on Sunday to Jeez. get to get to one under overall. But there were some numbers out here. I mean, I'm looking at guys shooting. Let's see here. I'll go down the board. Um, what do we got? We got of the guys that made the cut. Some of them finished at plus 24, plus 20, plus 20, plus 20. Tom Lehman and Kenny Perry both shot 20 over. Jeez. It was a plus eight or nine cut line too. The cut wasn't line it? was plus nine. Oh my! Hey, we might be able to make dang it. Dang it! We just oh, missed it. Dang! <laughs> I mean, that's two. I think that's two rounds, but yeah, you go down the board. I mean, there are guys that shot eighty eights, eighty sixes. This gives me hope. Somebody shot. How about this split? Ninety one, seventy nine. You know, there. Are, I mean, there's pros, professionals. One guy shot 92-88, 86-89, 85-88. The dream's not done yet, boys. I just need to get to 55 the, fast. Yes, the in and I think what when I was watching, I think the key to this golf course is the, the the condition is so good. If you can find a way to just have a nice flight, flighted drive off the box and get your roll, you know, you're going to get roll out. You know, and that's what that's what if you watch you watch Brian Longer, he just hit that little helicopter finish. Low runner, get in play. Even if you don't have a wedge in, you know there's. It's not like you're you can't get up and down if you're around the greens as long as you're not I guess in the thick thick rough. Um, and and take your medicine. I mean, if you try to get overly aggressive on on some shots, it could it could could get you. But um, yeah, I think I think hitting fairways is huge. And then you guys talked about um, the bunkering, Tim. What did what? Yeah. So in talking to Aaron out here, they have. An Ohio-based crushed quartz, so it's it's kind of unique in that it it never really got that fluffy, right? When you get kind of that that North Carolina white crushed sand, you really get this fluffiness. Your feet tend to really stick in or dig in, and and you can tend to really get under the ball. Um, here, there was just whether the sand was a little bit wet, whether it was completely dry, there was a really nice consistency through every bunker shot that I saw on the course um, and it, it didn't really move all too much which you know from a, a greenside bunker yeah I'd, I'd take some of the softer stuff some of the time but consistency across the whole course I would take this sand every time for how good it played out of the fairway bunkers and um, a lot of the greenside bunkers are built into the pad of the green so what that means if you don't know is they basically um, there's no huge mounding on some of the green, bunkers next to the green where it just basically goes green right into the bunker. So you can run things straight into the bunker with no 
um, you know, rough or anything to stop them, which is spectacular. I wish more courses did it. It looks great. Um, I'm, I imagine when it's playing really firm, because they probably had some rain up here too, that you get a lot of people that get a little angry about that because it rolls in, you know, maybe it wouldn't, but spectacular look and they play great. And that's another reason why, you know, coming in from the fairway, your ball's not going to release out typically to get into those bunkers. But if you're coming from the rough, your ball comes out, comes knuckling out, it's going to go over and it's going to fall into one of those. So accuracy is is, is um, the key out here. And But it's just, I don't know, it gives me kind of like, a, you know, you've got pine trees here. So it's got, it's such a huge giant property. I mean, it's, it, it, and it was so quiet too. It's like, you feel like you're not, we didn't see a lot of people out here. It was so I, I tried to place this, and I talked to Aaron a little bit about it. Where does this where does this get placed amongst other golf courses that I've played or that that he's seen or played? And the closest thing I could come up to is um, Pinehurst Number Eight, which is Pinehurst's rendition or the Tom Fazio rendition of Augusta. And this very much feels like the Wisconsin rendition of Augusta with the white sand bunkering, a lot of visual deception with the bunkering off of the tee. You know, what is the gap between that left bunker and the right bunker? Oh, it looks like it's 10 yards, they're right by each other, where do I put the ball? When in actuality there's 55 yards in between for a huge landing zone. Um, things that just look look a lot scarier than they might be. And uh, just course conditioning that, that should rival almost anything that you've, you've ever played. Uh, I'm not sure what you called it, Mike, but they've got the same bent grass uh, from the green going all the way back 30 yards into the fairway. So you get these absolutely gorgeous lies and all these runoff areas and chips. Um, I counted it as fringe, so I hit a lot of fringes all day. <laughs> yeah, uh, conditioning spectacular, top notch. No doubt about it. Yeah, you, I, I wouldn't count it as a fringe if it's 40 yards off the green. <laughs> down a hill. But, ah, barely missed it. And, and Aaron said often they have stimps around 13, 12, 13. So you're, you're talking about you got to think about your speed of your of your putts when you are over a leg putt or down down the slope because it will get away from you if you're not careful. Tim found that out pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, and I, yeah, a lot of three-putting. I It's probably the, the worst putting performance 83 that I've, I've had. Because I certainly hit the ball a lot better than that for my score. Um, didn't really find myself in too too much tremendous trouble because they they do give you a lot of areas to miss out here, uh, so long as you're not hitting in the water. But on course conditions, come to find out, Cog does Cog Hill Dubstrad does have a couple greens with sub air system, only a few. Uh, here it is all sub aired, and with all the rain that they've gotten, it, the greens were still firm. They were still making that kind of sand thump sound that you expect out of kind of a hollow, dry sand green that's been dried out a lot. And they had rain just a few days ago. Yep. So, any any holes you want to highlight that were your favorites? Well, we got to talk about Mona Lisa. Okay, like so the, that's the flower one. The flower. So that's, that's one that probably most people will ever recognize. It's on social media. It's the beautiful flowers. How, how many did the guy say? Fifty thousand flowers. Fifty thousand. And uh, we couldn't get an exact dollar value amount on how much it costs to bring all those flowers in, but you had to imagine it's a pretty penny. I, but, uh, I would say after Tim played it, there's probably like 49,000. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine they all survived that pull. Cinderella story. <laughs> Sadly enough, the three of us bogeyed the signature hall. None of us hit the green. 
Um, but uh, yeah, if, if it's one of those things where it's like, man, you could maybe maybe convince your wife or your girlfriend to just ride around with you for 18 holes and be able to look at some of these gorgeous flowers. It's not on every hole, but the, the scenery on every hole. I, I know it gets a lot of publicity for the flower hole, but it was really appealing to the eye to look at you know all these holes. I think it was kind of a cool thing. Um, I actually like the design of 17. I like a hole. Most often, what do you get? You get a hole that's back to front, right? You get that. For once, you get a different strategic golf hole where it's actually you know, front to back, where it rolls off, off the back. To the water. To the water. And so, you like, obviously, we didn't know much about Aaron talked a little bit about it. We didn't really know it was that drastic. But getting something different um, where you've got to think through a different shot than otherwise, oh, I can't get on the false front. i got to carry it. This is the opposite. you got to land it short and let it release on. So I thought that was kind of a cool hole because you don't see those very often. I even talked to to you guys about this too. I, so much of, of what Century World has done around the website, around the advertising, has been around the Mona Lisa. And yes, it's it's a very pretty hole with, with the flowers and the color contrasting that they're getting right now at this part of the season is so good. Uh, but honestly, I, I thought the, uh, the short par five out here with the creek running through it, um, with the, the green that, that sat Nine. right, yep, right alongside it, was absolutely excellent. I thought that uh, the hole that Jeff is mentioning with the, um, the, back, or the front to back slope of the green was, was excellent. Um, and then that, the water carry hole with that central bunker. That's what I like. I think that's 13. Yeah. So I like the par 3 before it over the water was 12. I don't want to talk about that hole. <laughs> I think 13 was a really cool hole. Because you could, you could hit it right, use the hill, come down. There's a big central, uh, you know, there's a big center bunker in the fairway. I found that one. And then water left. So it's a, I don't know if it's an overly demanding hole, really. If you, you, could, you could bail right. You could, could hit a right decent tee shot in the right spot, but it was a nice looking hole. Yeah. But then again, you bail right, you're coming in, and what's what's over the, the back of it is a, is a bunker that yeah. would, would fall in if you if you release it out. So yeah, these are not, you know, most of the time you carry into a bunker, right? It's a, These are, you roll into the bunkers. Yeah. So that's that's the big difference that you get here, but um, yeah, again, you know, very, very well accommodated. Uh, you, you get, if you pay your green fee, you get as much, you better come. If you're going to play this course, do not eat the night before. Okay, don't just drink say, a lot of water. Hydrate drink a yourself. lot of water. Yeah, hydrate because <laughs> you get not, not too much. Don't fill up. The beer fridge was stocked. It yes. was. God, the food was the food was good. The jerky, very good. Yep. Yeah, Ice you can get. Good. Yeah, everything is is grab as eat as much as you can. So and they they incentivize it. They incentivize, I don't want to call it overconsumption, but they, they certainly want you to see the value out of it. And for those of you, they're like, do you have to bring cash? They don't take tips in the uh, the concession areas. So um, sure, have some cash on hand always, but it, you really, when you come, you're, you're paying $300 and everything is included from the time you hit the door uh, to the time you exit the, the course. And they even had a driver that drove us into town. Yeah, I was gonna yes, mention that, yeah, yes. yeah. Oh. So we didn't, yeah, we didn't even have to to drive into town to eat. With the this, there's a there's a nice uh, restaurant here on on, pro- on property, but I think we didn't finish till eight yeah, o'clock it or so. The, we played on we're, we played on Sunday, so it closed at eight. Yeah, so we got we got yeah we got brought to the city, which brought, was kind of cool. Brought to Hilltop for those Stevens Point listeners. 
Um, and then I guess the last, we're not going to talk much about it because we haven't played it yet, but we're heading to Blue Mound today. It's a, it's our only, uh, one and only private that, uh, you know, that we can play. But, you know, for, for those that are into that kind of golf, you know, maybe you'd be a little bit interested in it. But, yeah, we don't know much about it other than maybe you guys can. The gem of the trip coming up here re- post-recording. Uh, Seth Rayner. Um, all the template holes will be out there. Uh, every single one. And uh, from your buddy that's a member at Olympia Field, he thought it was better than Chicago Golf Club, which is amazing because Chicago Golf Club is some meters top ten in the world. Um, so we will see uh, Blue Mound. Yeah, it's outside of Milwaukee. Uh, supposed to be spectacular. So looking forward to that today. We're doing a little backtracking to, to go play that one. Yep. So... Well, I guess let's get into the, the real reason why we went to Chicago in the first place. You know, it's the B-dubs, the BMW, Tim's, Tim's kind of automobile. Uh, just just the superior form of engineering. Huh, right. Um, and, and actually, you know what, you talk about driving, that's kind of what it took to win this golf tournament. Um, let's talk course first. We'll get to the actual play, but, you know, when you get to a, a place like this, first of all, similar, gigantic clubhouse. I mean... I don't know what the square footage in that thing was, but it is enormous. Uh, Did David tell? What was it? He said the square footage. I can't big. remember. It was built for 1.3 million in 1925. Oh my! So I believe. <laughs> I believe the. Uh, if you go out to 2023, the inflationary number is over 20 million. It's not Jeez. bad. Not yeah. bad. Well, and we had the the privilege if we're talking numbers right now of sitting down with a member who's been a member he said he was on his 50th anniversary so 1973 joined for three thousand dollars back then which is is the epitome of 22 22, now with uh with the popularity of golf post-covid the initiation at olympia fields i think there's a wait list has gone up over that number unfortunately so seventy five thousand. yeah yeah but for good reason the north and the south course out on property obviously we watched a lot of play on the north where well victor tore it up um but yeah i'd say more than tore it up yeah but yeah, yeah uh but the south a little bit more playable for the members if you don't want to get quite as is beat up by a, a pga tour western open major tournament spot yeah I, david is the member i know there and he basically said um you know, the North Course is fun to play, but, like, after a while, you know, it can kind of beat you up, right? And and, and, and you, you need something different. And so the South Course is that nice added um, amenity that you can go play and just kind of get your game back, maybe, or confidence back, whatever it might be. Because he says, you know, playing that day after day can kind of beat you up. And if, if, for those that are from Minnesota, it'd be like, you know, playing Hazeltine every day, right? Eventually, you're, you're, you, especially out know, the wind and, and, and the length of that course, you can get beat up quite a bit. So having something else to play is kind of big for the membership there. Um, and of course, you know, when you have two courses, you get to probably get on the course more often, right? So they used to have four. Mm-hmm. Beautiful pool too. I wish we could jump into that that thing. Yeah, um, I have a hard time believing. Like I'm looking at Golf Digest rankings of the overall top hundred. It's 99. I have a hard time believing there's 98 better-looking, better golf course out there than that. It looks so good, um, which is crazy to me. But 
the sheer size of the land of the golf course. So, like, you know, when we go to other courses and, and kind of walk around, like, this is like, it just seemed like it was very well spaced out, kind of like your Hazel team, where it's like, you know, you're not walking into a bunch of people. You can walk, with, you know, just in between holes. There's, you know, it, I would say that that's one thing. It's like the routing with, like, it's your, your tee box isn't right next to your green. You have a little bit of a walk. And so that's spaced out really nice, so it fits well on a on a venue like this. Like you don't feel like you're walking on top of everybody, so that helped. Um, the rough was super thick. I think they mentioned it being six inches or so right off the fairways. Crazy um, thick. And, and I think it's you know as long. I don't know how dense it was. I, I I guess you know I they were hitting it out of there. Rory even commented sometimes he'd rather be in the rough just because he could get a release on it because the spin spin was was too much sometimes. So. They could hit out of there. It's just uh, a little bit more difficult to navigate. Um, and then uh, I think the other cool part about the north has got that creek that runs through it, and, and adds character. You know, you got some of these big ballparks that are so uh, visually appealing, but they lack some other thing just besides a how well manicured they are, right? But then you add this little creek that winds through the back nine, especially. Um, it makes for a great like holes thirteen through seventeen. Fourteen is the you know I think David said like he thought it was the best you know the best hole he's played in the Midwest and he's played a lot of of golf. So fourteen is is the one that most people um, talk about when it comes to the North Course. Got an eighteen, I mean, a five hundred and ten yard downhill slightly to uphill dogleg left. Um, we watched quite a few groups come through there and I think there were what we say all of the, around eight birdies on the entirety of the the week and victor happened to be one of those very few to birdie what was an extremely hard finishing hole for the w i just insane how good these guys are to watch um max Holmes set the new course record that he held for all of uh, two days no no one day not even sammy burns Oh Sam my goodness! Tied it. Oh. Sam Burns came right back and did it again. So that that I mean that's and, and I have that like there's so many golf observations of being on the grounds that we can comment on on what we witnessed that you can't really quite see from the TV. And I think Tim is pointing out one of them. Hole 18 from that back box into the wind was a brute. And we talked about what would we do if we were on that box. Like, where would our golf ball go? It would have been a brutal par five for us with the wind up. I, yeah, I would love to get five. Like that would be. Yeah. Um, Rory hit it over the corner. By the way, how that I, you know, <laughs> and, that, and that's that's the thing that people will not understand. Like when you when you look at these guys sitting on that tee box and then where they're going, the fact that he took it over those left trees is unfathomable. Like you cannot believe how long mo- most of these guys are, but especially Rory is. Rory sets himself apart from these other guys, which are so long. It's like it's incredible. I, I had a couple drives here at Century. Green or the fairways are, are excellent. So there's some roll that I was I had one three hundred yard, one two ninety, and I don't think there's any way for me to get there in two at number eighteen at Olympia, especially under that win. My best drive and my best three wood. Um, highly well, and then it's, I, and then it's perched up. Yeah. Like it's it's not like a no. You can't really roll it out up on top. You got to carry it. Yeah, I mean, and we're talking about all the scores. It 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 played soft, you know. And you give these guys, no matter no no matter how big the ballpark, you give these guys soft conditions, they're gonna tear it up. You know, if you look twenty twenty, Rom won at four under when it was baked out, 
firm and fast. When you give them a fairway that they can hold, and a green, where that's why you know, Rory's done almost being better in the rough, a green where they can hold with any club they want, you know, they're so good. I mean, I mean, Scheffler, it was like every hole is on repeat. He just hits it to like 15 feet every single time. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, that's what we talked to that old member. They want to see their golf course play harder, like they, but they can't control Mother Nature. Like that old guy that had been there forever, he's like, I hope, I, we wanted it harder. Like he, they, members of, of private clubs are very proud of their clubs, and they want the, the pros to be challenged. Um, and it's just, you know, even on a big ballpark at 7,300 yards with the rough, at, you know, at six inches long, these guys are out there shooting two 62s and a 61 because uh, they're so good. It's unbelievable. But I will say, like, if you're a little bit off your game, I mean, here's the difference. Taylor Moore shoots 18 over, yep. Victor shoots 17 under. Like, it's that's that's the dispersion of of when somebody is on and when somebody is a little bit off. And and I think you also see a lot. You saw, once you got it narrowed down to the top 50 players, there is a definite, like, dichotomy of, of the top, top players and then the bottom players because you had Victor, Scotty, Fitzpatrick, Rory, Homa, all of the top guys are at the top. And then you get to the bottom and it's the guys that barely kind of squeaked in. Um, you know, so there's a definite difference in, you know, obviously the ability of all of them is good. You're on the PGA Tour. But the you know the cream rises to the crop. Yeah, you do not. I'm looking at you. Do not find a very highly ranked player. I think the highest ranked player you can find lower on the leaderboard might be Tony Fino at 37th. Yeah, you know that's you're not. Yeah, and then you got then you got Spieth at 34th. But yeah, there that was in in John Rahm even at 31. But you're right. Like four rounds of that golf course is going to dispert it's itself. a major and it's kind of what's happening with mike and i tim in yeah, right. Oh, yeah, yeah right over <laughs> yeah, four right. rounds mike oh, right. is gonna eventually you know the cream is gonna rise to the top yeah right really and so hit it great yesterday <laughs> <laughs> again unbelievable my driver was working i was in virtually no trouble and uh i was hitting i hit a fair amount of greens and i just got it doesn't you matter find, you just gotta find a way to get in the hole is that to, to any way possible i maybe jeff will find another change i need to implement today yeah we're, we're gonna try I think, I think what we found on this trip you know especially yesterday at century world when i hit her into some rough spots i just find a way find a window it's all about finding a window for shots window. <laughs> that window was the size of whatever that submarine <laughs> was that went and imploded uh it's so other some other observations that I wanted to point out. Well, first of all, we had a walk with you know we we were, we were there. We we're um, you know John Ellis, the Wyndham's caddy. We were pretty close with, so we got a chance to walk with with him for a while. And Victor played with him and played with Wyndham. And those two guys can can hit a golf ball. I mean, they can move it, they can putt it. They you know they're the sound off their golf clubs are just something that you do not hear. And that you know when we stood behind. Um, I th- they didn't really hit driver, but like just standing behind their ball flights and seeing what it looks like on the golf course and seeing them hit shot shapes of what the the hole offers is just you know you have to go out and appreciate that and see it for yourself. I mean, TV just doesn't do it. I mean, yeah, it can show that it landed, you know, carried three twenty, and it can show all the statistics, but you can't quite see it in person from there. So, and just how like we sat on eleven for a long time because we had a great vantage point, and I would say what. 
75% of the guys hit the fairway. It's like, it's unbelievable how how, sh- how straight they are, too. You know, they're obviously moving it. They're playing shots. But, like, it always ends up where they want it to end up most of the time. Except, well, I did almost get hit in the head by Siwoo. Uh, <laughs> that would have that been shot. the moment. That would have been the moment. It bounced literally right behind me off the cart path. But. Siwoo, if you're, if you're listening, I told him to take one for the team for you. <laughs> it, it, if you would have hit you, it would have saved you from nearly going down into that creek. Which, by the way, I want, we want to point out to the people out there, I think we're onto something here. We could greatly improve our scores if we had fans watching us. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> because... Because the amount of the amount of shots we the amount of shots we spray that would get stopped by that would get stopped by the fans uh, would be amazing. <laughs> we saw it a few times where a shot would bounce like Morikawa's would have been Morikawa's out of that bunker would have been just gone. It would yeah. have been dead and hit a fan and just stop right by the green. All I'm thinking about is a couple of the punch shots that I've I've had to take over the last few days. Just accidentally flaring one a little bit far right, and then oh yeah. lord, yeah, a signed glove is not making up for a body that's getting carted <laughs> off. The They'd have course. body bags just <laughs> piling up. Well, and not only that, like somebody sits there and marks your ball where it is every time. How, take ma- that. how often do we spend looking for? Yeah, a you golf never ball? have to search for a ball. There's a little flag. Just find the flag. Yeah, I spent more time looking for Mike's golf balls. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, told you. I think you know maybe you know maybe we have the committee we decide and, and, and take two strokes off it at the I, very end of this. We're buying a stopwatch. <laughs> I'm just uh, I'm just prepping for tour life where I don't have to worry about it. Just hit it. Let them go find it for me. Um, some other observations. So that was one observation. Is just the sheer length of these people and how accurate they are. The combination is what is wild. The fact that they could be that long and that accurate. Um, the other thing I would say is, you know, the green speeds, they, they were, you know, we played the putting course, and the putting course is, you know, it's going to have your more undulating and tough, tough. But we saw the speed. Like, we got we to gotta actually practice putt on a, a hole that was fairly, I would, I would you know, quote-unquote flat. And how fast those greens were. I mean, you're trying to navigate a leg putt from 40 feet, and you're just like, and we saw hole 11, a couple leg putts. We knew how fast it was. Um, these guys, most of the time, besides Patrick Cantlay, were able to, to to read it perfectly and put it right where they needed to. When we knew exactly how fast it was, and they and they picked up on it. I I played a couple fast places. Dunes Club had him at thirteen and a half. Wolf Creek had him at thirteen. I think Century said they had him at a twelve or a thirteen out here. Looking back at Olympia, that might have been approaching fourteen. I mean, they were playing that. A 50-foot putt there, they were playing like it was 10 feet out, it seemed mm-hmm. like, on number 11. Just so, so fast. And I, I think all of us here have a preference for fast greens. To a point, though, it, Century was, was at the upper tier of what I've probably personally played. It's almost... More. More. It's fast a, enough, it's faster. A, lower the more. Lower, yes, lower the more. So, like, fat, fast is so much better. Where... And maybe this is my personal preference. I have a really hard time adjusting to slow because you have to take a bigger stroke. More can go wrong with your putting stroke when you have to swing it up more. With when it's fast, you know, you just need to figure out the line and then you get it going. Unless you're like John Rahm who three putted from eight feet. Yeah, I was gonna mention but, that. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you know, it's just it's one of those things where it's like it's just a barely a tap and like. You know, once you do that, you're out. It's out of your control, right? Jesus the ball's gonna, the wheel. Yeah, it's just basically it's gotta it's gotta roll slowly right at that hole, and if it just you know wavers one way or the other, he misses, and so Ron misses two shorties there. 
Yeah. But yeah. most of the time, these guys make those. That, that well, dichotomy too between having such soft hands to be hitting the the you know uh, the chip shots, the sand shots, and these putts on these lightning fast greens while also having the power off the tee to hit the ball pretty much dead straight 330 yards yeah i mean but you just if you watch them i mean we watched rom over there in that practice chipping green just flipping wedges full swingers you know straight up in the air uh but these guys i mean they spend so much time i mean we've been to enough of tour events now in the last few months where they're all in the putting greens just grinding you know like windham's out there putting for an hour before and it's not like walk around, you know, talk to people. It's legit like working. I mean, they're just grinding on every day before every tournament. Uh, I'm sure they practice even longer on non-tournament days. You know, they, there's a reason why they're so good. And Mike and I talked about this too. You can tell the player that is trying to show up to get ready for their their tournament that that is, is loose. You know, it's kind of walk around talking to people. And, and Rory kind of was like that. He shows up. He goes and says hi. Rolls a couple pots. Go talks to the next guy. And then you got, like, you know, Wyndham's locked in. He's got a routine. You know, I'm locked in. I'll Yeah, I'll take pictures. I'll sign autographs after. This is my routine. I'm going to stay to it. I'm going to get my head down. I'm yep. going to work. And then after, I can, you know, chat with people and talk. And, and, and so the, the way some of these professionals carry themselves. And I, and I would say, you know, when we play... You know, when I when I play the qualifiers or things like that, like I'm more of a, I, I I'm trying to lock into my round. I want to focus on what I'm doing. I don't have, you know, the the personality that maybe I would have if it was around with my buddies because I know that this is kind of a a little bit bigger deal, sort of a thing. So it's kind of interesting to pick up on that too, uh, what some of the guys were like uh, before they tee off. Any other observations, boys? Oh, I got one. So Mike's Mike and Tim, and we'll, we'll see. But one of the things that we want to observe is the size of the golfer. Yes. All right. So Tim, what is your height and roughly weight? Uh, well, the the, the old apps say six foot tall. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know my 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 football height because you always go up a couple inches for sports. Yeah. Right. I think I'd be six foot, but I'm five eleven and probably one fifty five. I haven't jumped on a scale in a while, and it's been. So it's been a rough summer. Out of the fifty people that were there, we could name a number of them that are going to be smaller than Tim. Now Tim was a big. You got to be bigger to hit it farther, yes, guy, right? That, this is the whole premise of this. Is Tim's always claimed, oh, "Oh, I'm so little, I can't hit it anywhere." You know, it's, it's all about size. You got to be a monster. You know, all these guys are just massive human beings out there. Rory's six foot eight, three hundred pounds of sheer muscle. You know, hitting it out there. And we have a list. We go down this list. Yes. I can't believe you spent time making this list. No, I got it right here off the to golf. I'm just going down the leaderboard. Uh, Rory, longest guy out there, is not much bigger than you. He's thick. No, I will say, He's Rory. Strong. When Very you strong. see Rory in person, he looks like what a like a NFL running back would look like. Yeah, he's thick. You know, he's got the really thick look. And but he was thicker than well, I even thought well, he Tim's, was. Tim's, pre- Tim's preface, and this has maybe changed once it's starting to be debunked a little bit, was height. It was all yeah. about who's he taller than. Yeah, long, long Rory's numbers. Rory is the same height as you. No, no, yeah, Rory's shorter, 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 shorter than you. 100% shorter. shorter than Tim. And then yeah. Brian Harmon, way smaller. Yeah. Way, uh, how way he smaller. I mean, um, Tom Kim, way smaller. Than uh, you. That one's close. He's thick, but height-wise, you're taller. That boy is thick. Denny McCarthy, you are bigger than Denny McCarthy. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's go down. At least this give list me some here. people I'm smaller than. Eric Cole. 
Yeah. Ricky Fowler. Eric Cole, 100%. Ricky yeah. Fowler, you are just the same size as Ricky Fowler. No, ta- taller, 100% I'm actually, taller. I'm actually slightly taller. Emiliano Grillo. Way bigger. Way bigger than him. Yep. Uh, Hatton, you're taller than, I yep. think. Not thicker. Not or thicker. Not, not thicker. Not angry. Um, yeah, he, that's an observation not itself. For sure. He's an angry man. <laughs> angry man. He's an angry man. That, is, that might be my favorite watch was him. <laughs> him just kind of smoking one over the back of the green, slamming his wedge down on his, his back. Top. Just so mad. And then makes it. Yes. So mad. Walks walks way ahead of the caddy with his putter and then sinks this 25-footer from the fringe. And he just like looks at the crowd. Yes, Morikawa. Oh, uh, he's tiny. He's tiny. He's very small. He, yeah. he, I, yes. I guarantee you way more than him. He's taller than he is. So that, you know, and these are just some of the guys in the top fifty. There's a whole bunch of other guys on tour that you are too. So this <laughs> this theory has just been debunked I completely. Guess, I guess my new theory is I just fucking suck. <laughs> 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 he, we, we like to say Tim likes that little early extent. He likes to hump the ball a little bit. So we gotta get those hips working, <laughs> Timmy. <laughs> so that was that was another observation that that we made. Um, so anything else that you guys just things that we picked up on her? Um, no, I mean not really. It just if you have never been to a PGA Tour event, like neck, if you're from Minnesota, like our neck of the woods, next year just go out to the 3M, just one day. And watch how you know. Even if the big dogs don't show up, and just they're all good. Watch how good these guys are. Go to the range and watch their hit balls. It's unbelievable. Um, that that's my thing. But there is a there is there were some significant Ryder Cup ramifications though, out of this tournament because, on the U.S. side anyway, Xander Shoffley went up a spot, which bumped out Brooks Kepka from the. From the locks. Now again, there's a. I believe that I believe it goes maybe after this next week, but Kepka's not going to go up. He's not playing yeah. obviously. So now Kepka falls to seventh. The top six are the automatic qualifiers, and he's not going to go back up. So now that there becomes a little bit of a. Yeah. I think he's. I, I, think bet, he's I think he will get picked still. Uh, but it makes the conversation a little more interesting with what they do there. I think that's um, that's absolutely ridiculous for just for the mere fact that we saw Liv remerge or merge with the PGA Tour, and those guys are, are going to be back in next year. It just it it seems really silly that they don't take into account anything else that he's done. And I think in general, um, it goes back to the fact that you know guys like Kepka and Dustin Johnson didn't. They weren't part of the lawsuit. They didn't. They didn't rip. You know the PGA Tour, where other guys like Bryson and Taylor Gooch did. Um, so I think he gets in. But I mean, the movers were not much. Harmon went up to three. He's already in. Oh no! Never mind. They've already qualified. Yeah, it's, it's, it's this over. Week. Yep. Yep. It's over. So Xander was uh, six. So you got Xander, Homa, Cantlay, Harmon, Wyndham Clark, Scotty Scheffler are your six locks for the U.S. team. Um, and really, nothing else really happened at the bottom end. Um, Denny McCarthy went up a spot to 14. Justin Thomas dropped a spot to 15. You know, he probably gets picked still. Glover's still 16. Sam Burns is 12. I really think Sam Burns missed an opportunity. He shot 62 on Saturday. Um, I think he he had a real opportunity there to go out on Sunday and, you know, put up a pretty good round and get himself into the top 10, and he shot one over. I, I think so, too, for the mere fact that we see a lot of these pairings coming to life, right? The Xander no. Cantlay 
pairing together or the what you've been talking about, the Justin Thomas with Jordan Spieth likely pairing of people together. Um, you would have had the, the Sam Burns-Scotty Scheffler pairing because they enjoy each other's buddies, company. Yeah, which didn't work well in the President's Cup. But, but yeah, if you look at all the players that finished in the top 20, actually T22, the only one that shot over par on Sunday was Sam Burns. All everybody else was either either under par or even. So I think he missed a real shot there to jump up a little bit, or at least for Zach Johnson to say, "Hey, maybe he's playing. Maybe he's starting to play better." Yeah, we talked about the guy that goes out and just has that really good round. How they can back it up. He hadn't been playing that good, so it was more of a facade of him shooting that. Yes. At the time, course record because he hadn't really had much to to go off of that. But yeah, I think you know, looking at these six, you're gonna have to add. Couple ball strikers. You're gonna have to add a couple putters. You know, it's gonna have to be you know Zach Johnson's decision. We could debate it for days, and until he actually picks, it's not really worth I don't know going through. But I was gonna ask you, Mike, and you get it there. What's uh, East Lake this week? What uh, where are we start? Just maybe the first top five guys or so. Yeah, so so I hate this. By the way, I don't know how yeah, you guys feel. I just hate. I just I, I just hate it. There's gotta. I don't think does anybody like it. Who I don't think other no. fans that I like don't this. watch it because I don't care. I've I don't, never yeah. heard of anybody that really truly likes this setup. It's because it's, it's just like it's I get, I understand it. It's net golf. You're, yes, I understand it. You're trying to you know you're you're giving the guys who have played the best all year the advantage for, to win the. It's an eighteen million dollars to first place this year. You know, to whoever wins the tour championship. So I understand it, but at, for, from the fan perspective, it's fucking awful. It's horrible. Find a better way. Anyway, just don't post it. Just, just we all just say, hey, we all know it. Yeah. Scotty's got you know a ten handicap. Yeah. Right now, Scotty's got a two shot event. So it's Scotty's one, ten under. He started at ten under. Victor's two, starting at eight under. Rory's three, starting at seven. Rom is starting at six. Glover at five. So it just goes, kind of goes down. Homa's at four. Cantley's at four. Harmon, Wyndham. Clark, Matt Fitzpatrick at four, then it just goes all the way down to guys who are starting at, you know, even. Guys at 26 through 30 are even. So, like, Spieth is going to start 10 strokes back. Now, Rory last year started at six back yep. and caught him. Now, Scotty kind of I, I think there. Rory embraces the catch. I think he does. He likes that. He's not out in front. He's not having a he, – he typically does great when he's got a catch up. He gets more aggressive. And I think those guys that are even, you know, they're not going to catch Scotty, but – they want to try to move up the best they can, and they're going to be probably pretty dang aggressive, if you ask me. And solid, solid payout. I mean, just getting in, 30th place, half million. Ooh. 500 grand for 30th place. And then it goes up. You know, if you get 10th place, you get a million bucks for 10th. Dang. Yep. And the winner gets 18 million. Second place gets 6.5. Third place gets 5. Huge drop. So, yeah. So, I mean, so, big, big money. I know that I probably won't be. I mean, I'll, I'll check it out, but I'm not. Dying to see on a tournament that's based like that, weighted like that. I'm not. I'm not going to be. And here's the other thing that you know, East Lake is in Atlanta. It's actually the old. It used to be the Atlanta Athletic Club, and it used to be the. Uh, um, it's the oldest golf course in the city, I think. Um, and it's a a Bendelo start. Um, Donald Ross uh, fixed it up, whatever. But here's the expected weather coming up. Again, I don't understand why they put these events in some of these places. The 10-day forecast for Atlanta, Georgia, let me find it, is going to be hotter than hell. It's kind of like Memphis. We got um, Thursday, 
95 degrees in Atlanta in August. Going to be humid. Mm. Friday, 99 degrees. Mm. Um, Saturday, 97 degrees. So we're talking over 100, you know, heat indexes again. And then Sunday, 89, a little bit partly cloudy. But, I mean, it's going to be like, well, it's going to be miserably hot, which... I don't understand why put it in these spots where the players are just f- fucking miserable, and then you don't let them wear shorts or anything. Lucas Glover is going. Please God, tell me he, they give him darker pants every day. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's going to be sweating through everything. Give him some navy blue, man. But yeah, so that's the other thing. It's just going to be disgustingly hot down there. But I think these guys are at this point used to it. I mean, it's just they they, every week they're playing this stuff. And it, there's got to be some history around why East Lake, or at least there's a there's got to be Coca Cola as a sponsor. I mean, it's it's Bobby Jones Home Course, yeah. and yeah, it's been there for a while since 2004. It's like the permanent home. Um, it's a good golf course, so you know I don't know if it blows anything away, but um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of tune out. It's just the way they the way that the staggered scoring just makes it so shitty. I just I I feel like. It, and I, I'm going to do a piece on this on the newsletter for those that are subscribers. Um, for those that aren't, brk80.com. We have a link over to our, our newsletter. But the Western Open was a major for all intents and purposes. It used to be. And we should really restore the Western Open as the, the final, I think, championship stop for the year. I think it, it'd be perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah. Why not? I know uh, we'll see who our... Our guy that we met at the BMW, uh, Keith at Read the Line, had his picks spot on for uh, yeah, yeah for this one. So we'll see who he's got this week down there. Our next door neighbor at the uh, in the media t- in the media tent was um, a guy named Keith, uh, PGA professional, goes to these events and he does the bets. And he told us this had been on. We got there on Friday, right? Yep. He said his his big picks this week were Max Homa and Victor Hovland. And at the time, like Victor Hovland was only like two under. He's probably like in twentieth place. Homa had played a nice. I can't remember what day he played pretty well, but, but uh, yeah. So, yeah. That could, that shout out to him. Hopefully, have him on the pod. Talk a little golf gambling. I think is becoming a pretty big industry yeah. and, and read, continues to. So, read the line is his website. Read the line. Yeah, yep. and yep. he's he, he had them spot on this week. Yep. So uh, Tim mentioned it. You know, subscribe. We're gonna we're gonna have some newsletters coming out about some of these Chicago trips. Things. Mike's got one coming out about the uh, uh, resort tournaments. Resort tournaments in Minnesota. Um, you know, we put some time into those, so if you can subscribe to that, be fantastic. Um, Tim's going to be interviewing um, Century World uh, golf professional, right? Danny Rainbow. Okay, so Danny he, Rainbow, director of golf. So he'll have some some more information on, on Century World and stuff like that. So yeah, other than anything else, boys, I'm still waiting for someone to come up 18. Uh, all honesty, guys, get out here. 20 minute staggered tee times. Um, just gorgeous course conditions and the flowers are in full bloom on the Mona Lisa uh, plus the the accommodations the amenities are, <laughs> are fantastic so a really nice um, stop before you head into somewhere like a sand valley and you have to walk every hole that you play on those hard hard sand pans out there uh, can have a little bit of, of relaxation and luxury uh, either on your way in or, or out of Central Wisconsin. Golf. Yeah, just give a bunch of plasma, and then and then you can forward all, this one. Uh, all the fluids. <laughs> Any fluid you can sell is worth it to get out here to Central uh, World. So anything else, Mike? 
Um, yeah, I would say I'm guessing they do, they have a pretty short season to keep it in this kind of condition. They probably shut it down pretty early. So if you're going to get out here, you better do it in uh, September, maybe early October. Um, but yeah, um, fantastic condition. We played some fun courses. We got Blue Mound coming up later today, so really jacked for that one. So the last hurrah, the last hurrah of the PGA Tour media credentials. And yep, and the last opportunity for Tim. The Corlette to break 80 <laughs> yeah, on this we, golf trip. The last chance for Tim to stay as a part of this podcast <laughs> to, to show his mental Applications that, will that, be open after that this. That he can do it, that he can break 80. He's, he's, <laughs> he's shockingly, I, he's bossed, he's got the tee better than I've ever, and I've played a lot of more golf with Tim than you have. Like I, The match play record's back up like 54-1 and one now or something. But hey, it was a good run I had. In all the rounds, I don't think you've hit it off the tee better than you have in this trip. Uh, the Harbor, Harbor Shores was pretty bad, but, but the uh, last last three have been really good. Yeah, and the iron striking in hasn't been bad. I think it's it's really just been some short game issues and and really putting. I think I had thirty six putts yesterday on what I thought was a pretty good ball striking round and Kankakee with a couple OB balls that kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. If you're struggling with the driver, just just lower the hands, baby. Lower, lower the, lower the hands. hands. Lower the hands. Lower the mower. All right. Yep. Uh, the difference between seventy nine and eighty is everything. What the ball to draw, but it keeps them fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold G. Well, you hit it on one. Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Break 80.